Hey, Braves. Hello, Liz. Um, real excited about today. You are, are you? Yeah, we got our old friend David Banks here. Mm-hmm. We're talking City Authentic. We're talking hipsters. We're talking Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. We're talking- Live music capital of the world. The creative class. We are talking about the creative class. And also someone named Tony Vegas. With that being said, my name is Brace Belden. I'm Liz. We're, of course, joined by producer and head of UMB California, Mr. Young Chomsky, and the podcast is called... Well, it's called Trunon, and you're listening to it. Hello. Hello, you fucking dog. No, all right. Uh, Jesus Christ. You know what? Why don't you take us in with a Bart voice? Why, no. How about this? Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome back. Hi. Well, you know, here, here, I got got one. I got a good intro. While you were at the David Club, we were at the David Banks. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And you know what I got to say? That's a new one. Your stock, not declining. No, it is not. Like many other bank stocks. It it is weird, though, that if you have like a last name that maybe sounds like Eastern European or Jewish, like you're not like they kind of deny you opening accounts there. But that's I'm sure it has nothing to do with you. Well, that's the individual tellers. That's something I never understood about my ancestors was that like they... You know, like they went through Ellis Island, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, they do the dream the, job, dream do, job. Yeah, right, totally. And they do that thing where, like, you know, you try to remove the the Jewish sounding yeah, part, yeah. And so they just went with Banks, banks? Like, yeah, yeah. Because I think it was like Bankovsky or something, Bank Bankowitz <laughs> yeah. or something. And so they just went Banks, and they're like, man, you cut too early. Like, you have to keep. You got keep yeah. Going it should have just been banned. Or yeah, something. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or or just go with something completely different. <laughs> I Ellis Island, I've I've long expressed. To be the cha- name-changing guy, my fucking dream job. Yeah. Because I of the cre- creative nature of it? Cre- because of the creative <laughs> nature of that, yeah. I just, I think I could have put into like, because, you know, like, I feel like I marry both the street and the boardroom in me in one, right? Like, I'm a little bit, like, half up front. It's like a suit jacket. The bottom is really big pants covered in Basquiat kind of uh, stuff that I bought for $9,000. Mm. And I feel like to bring that kind of energy to Ellis Island in, like, 1870s, I think I could have changed this country forever and made us a more tolerant place. Wait, no, but for real though, like, is it because you think you could come up with like really good really names? Really good names. Yeah, I could come up with really good names. Are you Not because me? you're like, I want to be the cop, but because no. you're like, you look like a Stan. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just telling you this right now, full stop, there would be no Franzacs. What would I be? <sighs> Wait, is that because you don't like the, my last name or because? No, it's just too ethnic. Okay. So I would, I probably would have done something like more American, like basketball, freedom, or yeah, 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 freedom. Uh, I would have done some baller. I mean, I might have even hooked you up. Like if I like somebody, Tiger, you know, mm. uh, Rihanna, I could have hit you with that. That would have been, I think, pretty good in 1870. Um, I don't know, male model would be a good one. Not for yeah, you, yeah, obviously, but just hyphenated. put it in the that's name. A, that's but, a, that's yeah, a hyphenated yeah, one. brace yeah. male model. I think coming into the country with somebody yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. In your pedigree and on your papers. I think you should have this job now. I do try to tell people, um, but unfortunately, 
people don't really like aren't super amenable to that suggestion a lot of the time. <laughs> if I like if I meet somebody asking their last name, I ask them if I could legally change it for them. A lot of times they'll say that's like racist or like please don't say that kind of stuff to me or I don't yeah. know you. Or they're just turning around and running in the other direction. Yeah, yeah. They're like, why are you they take their AirPod out and they're like, I'm sorry, me? why are you talking to me on the subway? Please, sir. Yeah. Stop grabbing at my purse. So what's up, motherfucker? <laughs> not, not much. <laughs> no, I you know, I, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to say this to the audience on the fir- the first time I was here, but Hit I feel comfortable enough mm-hmm. now to say that I really appreciate that you take all your guests and put them in a baby Bjorn strapped to young Chauncey. <laughs> I'm I f- sorry. I feel like I'm flying. Is this cr- – uh, yeah, okay, because this is the real reason we haven't yeah. done an adult baby podcast right. because yes. it would have hit a little too close to home. <laughs> yeah, that's I, koala mode. We go koala mode. Right. I got to be real. It did make you uncomfortable the first time you came in and you just took off your shirt. Well, you were already. I was, yeah, I was, and so. it's kind of like an alpha thing. And to you to come in here and kind of wow. big dog me like that. Well, I wow. so I was watching the second season of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. He knows how to butter me up. And they, uh, <laughs> and they kept talking about how like um, the new one. I forgot her name already. And I think it was Lisa, like touched bellies. Okay, yes, uh, right. Like, and that's how they met at a party. Mm-hmm. And that's they like just how kept aliens say- would fuck. Yeah, and they just kept saying that over and over and over yeah, again. We touch bellies. We touch bellies. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and, yeah. and and it seemed like something. It was like code for something. Uh, that's uh, like you smell like hospital. That that was the line uh, from the yeah. Hospital of Salt Lake City that yeah. fucked my ass. You smell like, like hospital. hospital. Crazy. That, yeah, that goes crazy. That's, yeah. a, that's a hard one to say. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to have you back. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Thanks for taking the train down. Of course. I, you know, I'm a slut for trains. So We were supposed to have you on last week, but we had to cancel and reschedule because of our crazy snafu with the airlines, yeah. which I'm not going to talk about this no, episode. No, no, no. Well, there will be another episode for that. We'll I, see. I, I, I want to say, because you did ask for feedback, I am pro-airline air, episode. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, and I'm sort of like, really? Yeah. Well, I think like there is, and from what little I, I, I like vaguely remember this that there are that like the system that all the airlines use to reserve seats uh. is very old and yes. still working, right? Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, and I, I think that. there's, and usually when that's that happens, yeah, usually mm-hmm. when that happens, there's some sort of like graft and like yeah. something going on. Like there's yeah. a reason why they haven't, you know, quote unquote, innovated in that in that sector. I know, that, but this, it's going to require Brace and I like. Doing our best odd lots impression, which I don't know if like that's like the best. <laughs> never, re- never heard it. Never, never. Well, I like there's... more normal lots. It's kind of my thing. But speaking of lots, <laughs> there you go. You that know get what developed. There's lots of in yeah. cities. Yeah. Lots. Didn't really. You guys know what I'm going with there, David. The last time we had you on here, we discussed many things. Some of which I'll make you recite to our audience in a moment. But one thing I want to I want to zoom in on really quickly is the food hall. Yes. <laughs> And since <laughs> since that, when did we record that episode? Like last Who's, October, fall? September? Yeah, September, October. Was that like before that? we went on that tour? Yes, All right. it was before tour. Since that tour, boy, howdy, have we seen a Since lot of know. motherfucking lobster rolls. Yeah. Lobster mac Holy and cheese. Shit. Lobster. And you know what? Right down the street. Actually, I don't want to say too clear. I don't, actually, it doesn't really matter. There's, I, there is a food hall not too far from here that I believe does have... Mac and, mac and cheese with lobster in it. I'm just saying, we went to, I can recite it off the top of my head, Chicago, Philly, uh, New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, top of the head, top of the head, not as DC. big as you thought, is yeah. it? Yeah. Top of my head. I was trying to do it in order, but it doesn't really matter. D.C., Washington, D.C., Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, uh, Denver, Boston, Austin. Montreal, Toronto, Austin. Do you know how many of those fucking cities look the same? 
Yeah, they all do. It's yeah. crazy. All, uh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't just the, the whole, like, you're on the road and so you're not really paying attention thing. Like, I was paying attention. I was paying attention. And I was like, damn, where am I? Yeah. It all looks I, the same. I will say this. Boston looked a little different because there's older, yeah. some older stuff. Yeah, they got an old timeliness. Except for Cambridge, which just looks like one big, like, It did look like a, we didn't room. go to the college or whatever. But it did look, there was a lot of sort of Mexican restaurants about as far on the East Coast as you can get. Um, but, uh, but yeah, basically we, we lived your thesis. Yeah. You're welcome. Was thinking yeah. of you for a lot of it, actually. Yeah. And we mentioned it, but. Sorry, I haunted you. Yeah, that, <laughs> that whole experience. <laughs> okay. I was like, damn, these cities look authentic. <laughs> so your book is called The yeah. City Authentic. It is out. It is in your fucking hands. Yes, Congratulations. We had you on last time. The yeah. episode I think was called The City Authentic. What is The City Authentic? Yeah, so that's the word that I give or the phrase I give to this, like, third movement of cities in America, but it's international also. Uh-huh. First one being the city beautiful. If you ever took, like, a American or like American cities or urban sociology course or something, you probably heard about this. Or American history course, you usually get something like this. That's when, like, you know, like, all the, all, all the really rich people – uh, told other rich people you can invest in this city because yeah. I built a library or a mm. or, or or some sort of plaza, some sort of like an art, an art gallery, an arch, an arch, you know, something something really big. I put my name on it uh, to tell you that you know you could also build something here, and that that was um, that usually triggered other investment, and then people would show up too. And it coincided with the closing of the frontier. Yeah. So uh, so it's like a, a eastern capital didn't have anywhere to go. Um, further west, and so it started retrenching itself into what were at the time mostly, you know, like kind of uh, forts, you know, like military forts, and maybe yeah. a little towns, and then they they really become big cities. Um, then uh, around World War II, we switch because Hitler ruined city beautiful mm. stuff. That's that's actually what. Uh, the history. <laughs> the, Hitler ruined like, it. Yeah, the the the, uh, the the book on this, uh, Cities of Tomorrow by Peter Hall, puts the end point at uh, Hitler's Berlin, and he's like, he ruined it for everyone. Well, it's he just was like going to try that. to build Germania there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like, well, because then it became like. It was just it, it was just like too goofy. He's yeah. like he made things like too big, and it was he blew it, was it just out. Like too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he it just, blew it out. Yeah, went and too so like, far. Classically, yeah. Hitler went too far. Too far. You know. Yeah, yeah it's one of the one of the worst things he did. And uh, and then um, and then came the city efficient, uh, which gets different names. I just pick city efficient for obvious reasons, and uh, and that one's where you know like code becomes really important, both computer code, but then also like the the zoning code. Zoning code. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Matt Iglesias' favorite topic. Very, very. He's, well, he loves that stuff. <laughs> that and probably the lobster ravioli. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Whatever zone, whatever code yeah. brings him the lobster ravioli. Yeah, and uh, you know, and, and in that in that sense, you know, it's like you think um, uh, over-engineered highways mm-hmm. and like you know the Sim City sort of you know I draw this rectangle that's green and that means residential, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, like, yeah. And like in talking about land in units to the acre, stuff like that, right? That that starts happening in the latter half of the 20th century. And then I put somewhere around the Obama administration, mm. I think is, is fair to say. I'm raising up the, the big O. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hussein. Yes, yeah. He, yeah. Um, uh, it's, about, it's around that time that we start getting, cities start trying to position themselves to uh, provide a kind of urban experience. Yeah. 
and it is what I call predictably unique, right? So you take things that are just a little bit quirky, right? Mm. And you just like alter them just slightly, put the name of the city on it and serve it up, right? And you do that just everywhere. And that become and that's generally what I call the, the the city authentic. I don't know if we actually mentioned this last time we talked. We t- we spent a lot of time on on various quirky things in cities, but I I famously hate quirk. But I remember specifically when I sort of realized, without of course having the name for it, when in Northern California they started putting out. I mean, I'm sure this happened in Southern California too, but I think it was more of a Northern California thing. Those like postcards with a bear hugging California. Do you remember those? And it said, I like, I love CA and, like, kind of, like, classical, like, national forest, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, that, like, uh-huh. person font. Yeah. That, to me, I was like, there's something to miss here because this doesn't, like, fit actually in with anywhere I've been. In, I've been all over Northern California. Nothing's like this. Who is foisting this upon us? And it became sort of this, like, look for every gift shop in, in Northern California. So you're saying it's kind of like a... The city authentic is like a mode of of cities advertising yeah. for themselves, but also kind of like a method of development at the same time. Yeah. So instead of building a big fucking thing, right? Like a like a like, like a, a arch, philanthropic like, endeavor. Yeah. Let's yeah. Be, like an arch, guys. Right. Like, like a Rockefeller ar- Center. Yeah. yeah exactly. Like the David Koch Theater. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, that uh, I, we got. We have to talk about Shenyun also. Oh, we will. Because I, I thank you for bringing that up. He's you know they're my neighbors, and like I can't. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yes. and, and and I'm just constantly surprised that no one knows what they are. We, we'll yeah. talk about that later. But um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. So instead of building a big thing, you um, package up history, mm. and you sell that history instead. So you like you an find, identity. You, yeah, an identity of uh, of a place based identity, largely because a lot of especially small cities and towns, which is what I studied. Um, they're one afraid that anything that they make will be outsourced, right? So they have yeah. to come up with something that, by definition, can't leave the city. And so mm-hmm. history is a pretty good candidate uh-huh. for that, right? But the other one is that they also want to position themselves. And here I'm speaking specifically about like these me- uh, medium to small size cities. Think like under five hundred thousand, hundred thousand yeah. people, right? Um, they want to position themselves as like these like trendy thrift store finds yes. in comparison to like name brand mm, New York city, yeah, which lets you also flatter, you know, the person that you're speaking to. He's like right. any, Oh, anyone can I decide to live in Los Angeles. Right. You know, but, Oh, but you, you're a very sure. smart, savvy person. You yeah. found, you know, Hudson. Uh, yeah. Hudson or, was, Mar- or, or Mar- in Marfa, Texas. You want to talk about Obama like era, 2008, Austin, Texas. Yeah. This yeah. was, I, mean, I know this was, yeah. this was something I remember reading in, in, in your book or in your writings that you sent, or I guess that was your dissertation. No, no, it was my, no, my dissertation sucked. Don't read that. Okay. No, that well, then I actually read different. the book. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Okay. Read I just book. read the book. Yeah. You read the book. So, uh, I remember this part about your book where you're talking about, um, all these different towns in upstate New York, specifically, like advertising themselves as like the kind of like cool other, the other New York to Brooklyn or whatever. Right. And specifically advertising to these like upwardly, upwardly mobile, maybe creative class uh-huh. types that who, who live in these, uh, you know, these neighborhoods that they either participate in the later stages of gentrification of or whatever uh, as like a way to like mature out of or like like a cool, like a quaint other thing to be part of, like the Brooklyn of whatever, of upstate New York. Yeah, so the one weird thing, <laughs> one weird thing that mm-hmm. other economic developers hate. No, it's, uh, it's that um, the region that I studied, which is you know, upstate New York, Albany area, we do have two things that are 
different from most other areas. One, we have the highest union density in the country, mm-hmm. which is interesting, um, largely because of uh, state, uh, all the state stuff yeah, is, sure. is union. And the second thing is um, a lot of colleges, right? Yeah. right? And so what they would do is they would uh, send um, this uh, Center for Economic Growth, we have this um, economic development agency in the area, would target former college grads or college grads from the area, yeah. from the Albany area, and find them in, uh, like, Boston mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, um, like, New York City, you know, like larger expensive places, and, and target them for ads on Facebook and Instagram, probably other ones now, and say, like, uh, isn't it expensive to live there? Didn't you like living in Albany area? Mm. It's gotten even better. We have lobster ravioli now. Mm-hmm. Why don't you come back? You could actually afford a house here um, mm-hmm. and stop paying rent, or you could at least pay like you know three thousand dollars for two bedrooms, you yeah, know, something like yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that um, and the, and, the, and they they put a lot of um, eggs in that basket. Mm-hmm. They're they're really expecting that to to pay dividends. And so far, like. Um, you know, the, I think the pandemic did a lot more to, yeah, I uh, to, to ask us than, about than that. anything else. Yeah, I mean, because it's so interesting. It seems like now, as opposed to when we talked, you know, back in last summer or the early fall or whenever it was, none of us can remember. No one look it up. Um, that a lot of companies are now in the face of, you know, I mean, for a lot of reasons, are now like kind of clawing back workers mm-hmm. to their offices, to those big offices that they spend a lot of money on, which are all largely in these big cities in New York and San Francisco and Austin and, you know, whatever. Um, whereas a lot of workers during COVID or of this kind of class that so we'll end up talking about, I think, a little bit later, this creative class, whatever we want to call it, middle class, um, that you know, they'd all kind of gotten used to, oh, I can go and live in these kind of like, you know, maybe a- afford to buy a house in Hudson, in Albany, in, well, obviously Hudson's a little, you know, different, but, um, you know, all these these places that I can either commute or re- work remotely or whatever. And that now that seems to be kind of people clawing back on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, these companies um, don't buy or own most of their uh office space they right. lease it yeah. right and so because they lease it uh and they're stuck in a contract you know i guess there are like some cases where like i don't know if, if you're like a uh um deloitte or like mckinsey yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, they have those like fortress yeah places yeah and they're just like so fucking i mean yeah or, or, or it's just one of those things where it's like you know if, if the if you owe the bank five dollars it's your problem if you owe right, five totally. billion, it's their problem right you know yeah. like, so like, there's some leasing companies that are like oh shit you know like if if facebook doesn't like pay pay their leases we're you know we're screwed like that that could, that that is actually starting to happen mm. we, there's like all these little stories percolating out yeah. that show that like the business lease market is yeah, commercial is, real estate yeah. is really bad. fast yeah famously right doing, very, doing very, very well bad. right now yeah, yeah. it's a little um, scary actually. yeah yeah i think actually I, housing in general a little scary right now yeah housing well and this is something i don't want to jump around too much but this is also something that's in the uh that i put in the book as um something to look out for is that you know typically and this is a question i always get from like geographers or something like you know people in my profession is like well cities have always done this Right, mm. it, uh, promoted themselves and like you know, like you know, move here stuff like that. Right, like when you're uh, um, 
when you were talking about the the postcard race, you know, yeah. like I I was I, I went to um, the Schenectady Historical Society. Uh, shout out Mary, she's a listener of the show, she's a nice person. She runs the Schenectady Historical Society. Oh, Very cool. Smart. And she, um, what's uh, up, Mary? Yeah, <laughs> and she uh, they had uh, all these um, all these uh, um, old postcards, and there was one with like a guy with with mumps. So it's like cheeks are really swollen, and and, and it was and it was and, and it was like a. Uh, um, Oh, what did it say? It said something like, you know, I'm having a swell time in Schenectady, mm-hmm. right? You know, something like that. That kind of shit. Not the kind happen. of thing you really want to put in your promotional material. <laughs> yeah, come, yeah. come to our town and get the mumps. Get the mumps. Right. Yeah, we're, we're all diseased it's here. It's like a text I sent out. Come to my house and get HPV. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like that. That you know, like that, so that stuff's always always happened. But what's genuinely new are one like these sorts of technologies where like yeah, you can identify specific people and get them to come to your place, like former college. Uh, students or but or you can also like manage vast national swaths mm, mm-hmm. of 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 real estate right, right? You're like being a landlord kind of like uber like a taxi driver uh, or a taxi company was always a regional business yeah because it doesn't scale like there's few things that you gain as like uh, um economies of scale as you grow out um but now you know, uh, uh, you know, with Uber that that never worked, and that's why they never made money, and you know, whatever, whatever. But the um, but with leasing, it's that starts to work because they can do everything from you know uh, manipulate the market, like you know, move up their price and Zillow up this much to affect this other house, and they can do a bunch of stuff to really manipulate housing prices and yeah, what when you se- own what seems a available. massive amount of it, yeah. yeah, of course, so you can kind of be a whale in the market. Yeah, and they and they have started to um, mostly in Sunbelt cities, right? So like yeah. city, uh, they um, they own like plurality of of the housing stock, like Atlanta, it's something I think like a, like a third of. Mm. Of 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 detached single family houses are like owned by Blackstone or something like yeah. it's, it's crazy. So like that that sort of stuff is also um, happening in in my book also, which is also yeah. like where uh, cities start all looking the same, right? Is because they're all owned by the same company mm. and they're all trying to do the same thing. It play this playbook that has like these sort of like predictably unique little little shticks that that you do to to uh, make people feel like it's just for them and or like oh we yeah. only do it this way yeah. here yeah uh but it, but you know but then but then when you do start moving around if you go on tour for example you start realizing oh shit actually this is you know kind of warmed over I mean, it makes sense when, when the yeah. cities begin to physically resemble one another. I mean, that's something that I've always really noticed since because I, I had the sort of unusual experience of going to most American cities, major American cities, by the time I was 16, just from being in bands and stuff mm-hmm. and going on these tours. Um, and I had not traveled very widely prior to that. And so in my head, everywhere looks like it does on TV where like things are kind of like distinct and they have their own flavor. And I realized I was like, wow, well, while certain areas like older sections of these like, you know, Chicago or whatever do look fairly, you know, dissimilar to each other. A lot of especially I mean, almost all newer developments in these places looked precisely the same. Mm-hmm. And because of that, because pieces like look, you know, physically similar and they have this kind of homogenized culture in general, right? I mean, maybe there'll be some regional flavor in some places. I mean, yeah, it becomes the only alternative to really sell yourself as a unique place is to either uh, act like your amenities are maybe slightly better or different than amenities that are pretty similar in these other uh, these other cities, um, or to sell this like history to people. Yeah, yeah. My my publisher was really um, 
patient with me <laughs> in a couple a couple ways. Because like while I'm also talking about you know like yeah uh, leasing uh, technologies and stuff like that, I'm also uh, and this is this takes up basically all of chapter three. It, I'm also like concerned about like what what is it that these marketers are like clawing at in yes. your brain, right? And um, and for that, I think you know. You guys actually set this up really well, right? Because like your conversation about Spotify and music, the mm-hmm. music industry, and then also that interesting conversation you had about um, mental health, and as it relates yeah. to like, TikTok and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I, I just, I just want people to like think of those things at the same time because the time frame is exactly the same. Yeah, as also how cities change, right? He's like, there's uh, these same, these same forces are, are acting in these different arenas at the same time in, in really um, similar ways, right? So like, so like why, why do buildings all look the same? It's mm-hmm. largely because the biggest price, you know, when, when a developer is building something and a developer is nothing but like a really strange, very specific kind of investor. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's yeah because they're it's not like the developer themselves. Yeah. Like, they, they don't yeah. give a shit about buildings no. or architecture, right? So what they what they have is a big pile of money, and they look at a, a, a blank piece of land, and they're like, I could make, you know, X dollars if I built ABC thing. Yeah. Right. Um, and if ABC thing is is you know held up in some. Uh, zoning board or whatever, then they you know then they don't build, or if the market goes down, they don't build. But what they but they do want to remain flexible for the longest period of time because it, you know to as they build. And so what ends up happening is they spend a ton of money on the land, and then they have a very little amount of money left over to actually build the building. And so what they do is they they uh, it's called value engineering. You know, like they pick like the cheapest thing, and then like I don't know, like China will build a new sports stadium or something, and mm-hmm. the price of concrete will like go up five cents or something like that, right? And in in which case like they have have to on the fly change the building again mm. and so they'll do stuff like um, take away balconies and replace them with what's called a Juliet balcony which is uh, the mm. sliding glass door with then just uh, uh, or you can just see her because you're looking down and you're hiding in the bush you're Romeo <laughs> up yeah, there she's yeah. just in the window I and, oh, yeah. or, or for committing suicide easier they, they, they are also sometimes called suicide balconies yeah okay yeah. Look at this. <laughs> um, and uh, right and, and so everything looks the same because on the spreadsheets they have to right they're all Be- making the same choices yeah. based on what the availability of materials in the market right and, and then because everything is coming off of a shelf somewhere right they want and they want to be able to make the the decisions at the very last moment sure just in time yeah and uh, you know the difference honestly between like a luxury um, level like condo mm. and affordable housing is like the countertops. So that's that's something that I've always found super fascinating because I hate like I'm sure a lot of people I hate the way new apartment buildings look. Mm. But luxury apartments to me like I've been in both like kind of newer projects and like not projects actually yeah projects and like and newer like fancy like luxury apartments. They're the same. And like obviously the newer ones are like nicer, <laughs> yeah. but it's the same sort of it's the same kind of like sterility mm-hmm. that you encounter in each. And it's like it's it's this it's the and people always complain. I mean, there's a famous, you know, people that that, that like way that apartment like the mixed use projects where there's like a Whole Foods at the bottom and some condos at the top, right? How they look the same Everywhere. Everywhere. And how somehow, even though these are luxury apartments, they look chintzy as fuck, right? <laughs> like they look like 
really like thin sort of particle board outsides. They, they burn really well, easily. Well, yeah, I think our just our builds are shit. They are. Yeah. They are, Our builds are shit, right? I'm but, always just like, what's up with the foundation? You always got to check the foundation. Well, Millennium Tower, famously San Francisco, sunk like seven feet. The problem's always in the foundation. Yeah. It's a metaphor and a reality. Marcus Aurelius said that. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it's this, it's this very – and it's this homogenized thing. Where really, like, no matter what you're looking at, it, whether it's luxury or whether it's, um, you know, like lower income or, you know, uh, quote unquote affordable housing, which, by the way, in San Francisco, affordable housing, the legal definition of that or whatever, and when, in terms of it's like $190,000 a year yeah. is affordable housing yeah. um, for, for the, the units that they have to put in buildings. I, the, the number's slightly different than that, but. Um, it's uh, they're all made out of basically the cheapest material possible, right. and like I have, I have some strong feelings on the way that a lot of newer construction looks in San Francisco. But uh, it's 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 just funny because that is occurring at the same time as these campaigns to sort of sell the history of these places. But what you're getting is this almost like globalized new kind of apartment building that all looks exactly the same. That's all made that, – that you could show me a picture of a Whole Foods with some condos on top of it in fucking Duluth and I could – it could be in Los Angeles. It could be in Toronto. It could be in fucking Seattle. It could be in any of these places. And so it's beyond like when I was, when I was a teenager, I, I realized that a lot of cities begin to look the same because there's a highway and there's a McDonald's and there's a Hardee's and the there's meme, something – you know, yeah. the strip malls and all that. That kind of thing because we don't really have those in San Francisco, um, except for that kind of one in, in uh, on Bryant, yeah, where I went yeah. to the jungle when I was or a kid. Laurel, Laurel Heights that. has that kind of one with the, yeah, the Trader Joe's, uh, but uh, there's um, like it's now there's just like these giant sort of luxury apartment buildings everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think the key to kind of understanding how it can be at once both completely homogenizing and kind of um, marketing or selling itself as a sort of unique, quirky experience is in that word that you use, authenticity. And I kind of want to like go back to that point you were just saying about, because we I do think that you know what you're saying about the things we kind of talking about in that Spotify episode and TikTok ep- episode, like in a lot of episodes that we've done, we are sort of like circling around something that I think. Your use of authenticity and the kind of you talk about the kind of reification of this word or of this idea um, gets at, which is almost like a kind of production and a selling of identity, mm-hmm. I think, which can be both flattening while seemingly specific, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the at the beginning of the City Beautiful movement, which could be put as like um like 1870s Paris, right? Yeah, Yeah. and where, uh, um, and this is like a a very specific um, uh, global financial problem, right? Is that like Paris is like, or France in general, and I I think probably most of Europe is like having some sort of financial crisis. And so you have to create a a spatial fix, right? Like you have to build a big fucking thing, Mm. right? And so so Bonaparte or Napoleon like deals with that by going to war with Prussia and rebuilding France, yes. uh, Paris, right? Haussmann. Yeah, Haus- yeah, yeah, and he employs Famous. Haussmann, famously Haussmann. There's some and, fantastic books on this. Yeah, you're right, yeah. And, but but the, the important thing to think about here in terms of like authenticity and identity, right, is that they, they use this new invention of like plate glass to, right. Yeah. Right, to make those famous Parisian cafes. Yeah. And, mm. um, and uh, the... Uh, <laughs> The, the uh, with all their chairs facing the street, right? Yeah, and they, you know, and it's one, <laughs> and it's in those where you know you you get like really really extreme poverty looking at this burgeoning middle class, and they're like f- 
literally looking at each other, yeah. right? And this is also when in New York City we're building uh, buildings that are lifted just up off the ground a little bit and are actually designed to like people watch like outside onto the street. And, and there would be mm. these... So you can like look up into the brownstone window and see like how the little the, yeah, but the, also that the people in the brownstones yeah, can it's, look it's at the yeah, yeah, down, yeah. right? And the idea and, the, and it was it was in, in high society in New York, it was like so specific of where you were walking, when you were walking, who you were walking with, all announced something about yourself. Yeah, right. And and all of those little announcements, right? Um, get embedded in the city and like in the, some of the earliest sociologists start to realize that cities create a specific kind of person mm-hmm. that, um, uh, and, you know, just, and th- these are still true to like, you know, varying degrees, right? You know, like smaller families, uh, more purposive associations, right? Like sports teams, labor unions. Bisexual woman with mental health issues. That ideology is bullshit. So, so here's the thing, right? That... That's true, right? You know, like there are these um, identity constructions yeah. that become so much more important to people because uh, where else are you going to get it? Yeah, right. Punk. It, yeah, yeah. Except except from like yeah. from other people, right? And then you get like that Mike Mark or the you know, the, the Fisher problem of like pre corporation, right? Of that mm-hmm. like like companies making new identities for you to pick up sure, that were sure. never authentic in the first yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, so yeah, so like all all of this kind of coming to get, you know, we're jumping around time wise, but essentially, yeah, the 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 work of authenticity is essentially to make you feel like there is like a hole for you to like peg. Yeah, <laughs> right, interesting. Right? You know, you're a, you're a peg to fit, in, fit yeah. into the right hole, and um and 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 and, w- and when you do that, it feels great. Yeah, right. Yeah. Pause. Pause. <laughs> and. Uh, and the and, and so like that that uh, that uh, I, I think Sharon Zukin, uh, urban sociologist, describes it well as like the experience of origins, which mm. is ultimately what the city gets at. Um, because cities actually aren't a very good thing, a good place to find authenticity because stuff changes all the time, right? So like you're never. But gonna what f- is authenticity? I mean, what is even is that? Like I, I I don't know if I believe that there is an authentic anything. Yeah, yeah. I so, mean, not to be too whatever. Like oh, it's all a construct, <laughs> man. Like there's no outside; it's all inside. But like I kind of, but I do think that like I, I, I there isn't like I think part of the search for the authentic is sort of baked into. Consumer capitalism. Yeah, so that that is actually where I conclude the book. Also, is that like just dispense with the authenticity talk in general. Like it's just like it's ma- it's designed to make you crazy. Yeah, or it's at least designed as like a rat race, right? Yeah. It's like as soon as modern developed urban capitalism happened, we developed the authenticity problem, which was an also also a possible title for the book, right? Mm. <laughs> and and in in those in those uh. Uh, like authenticity problems is just like yeah like who am I what what do I look like yeah, how, right. how like how do I fit into like this larger idea of the city and um and it never fucking works is it, because you know Liz I think you're right you know like it it doesn't it, it's, it's 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 a rat race it's 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 a, or a goose wild goose chase whatever the hell you want to call it it's yeah. funny because I I I fully understand and and I think pretty much agree with both of what you're saying there but like. I think for most of my life, I did feel like I had a place where I lived, right? And like I was having – 
I don't know about an authentic like San Francisco experience, but like I had this this sort of massive ecosystem that I felt sort of part and parcel to. Like I, I really I belonged to. Um, and then when things started changing in San Francisco, that rapidly diminished until any part of that, from the people to the places I went to the to the to the the, the bridges I hung out under, all of those things had changed in in with both such blinding uh, pace and in su- such unrecognizable ways that I felt like I was no longer like the the thing that I had I had belonged to for for most of my life. Uh, didn't exist. It wasn't just that I no longer belonged to it. It just like it wasn't there anymore. Mm. Uh, and no part of it. There was no single part of that that existed. F- again, from like the the sort of cultures that I, that I, I either straddled or or was a part of, um, to the people I knew had all completely disappeared and been replaced by something uh, that. I, I yeah I guess maybe authentic is because that is authentic too like San Francisco what it is now is authentic it's just not authentic in terms of like the sort of like nostalgic sentimental view of San Francisco it's this very um, very modern yeah. uh, kind of city where you're either you know a you're one of the the, the uh, normal people who's having a pretty hard time there or you're uh, you're fucking zoned out on zonked out on fucking fentanyl or you're a tech person who sort of uh, either works from home uh, or a cafe or is shuffled between those places uh, in an air-conditioned bus. Or a blood boy. Or a blood <laughs> or yeah, or yeah. you're a blood boy. Well, yeah. RIP. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's right. I mean, I think that cities underwent such a massive um, just overhaul and total change. I mean, basically starting in the 70s, right? There's like the crisis of the American – the urban centers or whatever in the kind of collapse of the 70s. Yeah. And then over the kind of 80s and 90s as capital kind of like went back into this. I mean, you could speak more to this than I can. I don't really know what I'm talking about. But You're doing great. That by the time we get to the kind of mid to late 90s, 2000s, as the economy is like booming and a lot of people are feeling way more comfortable to move back into cities, you get the kind of, I mean, this is one of the things we want to talk about, right? The kind of birth of this thing called the creative class. Yeah. Um, Which we can talk about, about what exactly that is or what that, you know, if that still stands or what that that hypothesis is. But it's true that regardless of whether or not that hypothesis is correct, that basically development started to chase it and uh-huh. chase this class and tried to basically compete to attract it. Yeah, so you, you laid out the preconditions really well, right? It's um, uh, the uh, flight of industry, mm-hmm. right? And it's replacement with the fire industry, right? Finance, mm-hmm. insurance, real estate. My favorite guys. Favorite, mm-hmm. favorite. And, 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 like, and that's not just like a... Give me a, fool, give me a fire. Sorry. It's not just like a like a swap. That's why cities are so flaming. <laughs> Sorry, that was bad. Right, it's like it, uh, it's those aren't um, those have actual consequences. Like they're not you can't just like swap out industries. Yeah, right? they, they yeah. want yeah, different yeah, totally. things. Right, and so like uh, in in. Uh, um, they're factory also investment. all very rapacious industries. Yes, yeah, right, yeah, but but they ha- right, but they have the, but their material interests right are different, right? So if you're building something in a factory, you actually want low um, uh, real estate values. You want mm-hmm. low land values because uh, you have to build a big fucking factory, yeah, right, right. and and that's on the land usually, yeah, and and, uh, and if you want to expand that factory, that's going to cost more. You need if, worker if, housing. You need a lot of people to live there and work there. 
and that's the other thing, right? Yeah. Is, is labor. That's why right? you got great, in, like the legacy of these industry towns, yeah. right? And then the kind of the deep communities that were kind of formed around these factory towns and and all of that. Yeah, and you would get these uneasy alliances between the workers and the boss when it came to things like uh, the um, the value of work and, and the value of land because like they they did kind of have to balance out. Yeah, yeah. At, at least in some way that was tethered to reality, right? But once real estate mostly in insurance and finance, right? Like all um, replace that. They're not tethered to fucking anything, right? They, they just, like land prices going up infinitely forever is great for them. Yeah, it's a well, good, Well, it's also, yeah, because yeah, we should, yeah, I mean, to be clear, like the way that they extract profit is very different. Yeah. They're not actually taking profit off of something that's built some uh, out of commodity production or whatever. It's literally skimming off the top. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's a second all, derivative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all arbitrage, right. basically. And so that... Uh, so that shift means that cities, um, while, you know, like crime plummets in the 90s for mm-hmm. reasons no one can fully explain. <laughs> They're and, still working on that one. Right. <laughs> um, so so city, cities are safer than ever before, but they also don't have any kind of playbook for how to develop because yeah. they've always done smoke, what's generally called like smokestack chasing, right? Mm-hmm. But the smokestacks are all in China now, right? right. Or, or, or in Mexico. So like uh, none of that works, right? Yeah. And so that's where um, uh, uh, scary music uh, Richard Florida enters, mm. right? As like crazy name, by the way, right? I I tried to figure out if that's his real name, and I think it just is. It, I will say that like it's a very dis- distinguished name. I, Richard Florida is like you remember that name. I will say like I, he's actually part of a like sort of this cadre of uh, what I call city thinkers. Alongside, uh, you know, Mark St. Louis um, and, of course, the famous Tony Vegas. Tony Vegas's ideas for building cities were pretty radically different from <laughs> Richard Florida's, whereas Richard Florida was really focused on the creative class and sort of like chasing these, these quote, knowledge workers. Tony Vegas, whose work I sort of subscribed to, was, was super big on a city needs hookers. City needs hookers. It needs croupiers. Uh, it needs pit bosses. Uh, it needs Italians. He wanted an Italian district there, but not too many because then they start fighting with each other. And most importantly than that, it needed well-heeled, possibly land barons from Texas to come to those cities and sort of be fleeced for all their money. And unfortunately, his career was cut short um, due to being shot by a rival uh, urbanist. But uh, but Richard Florida sort of, I guess, reigns supreme yeah. among you these joke, guys. You joke, but I truly am a huge fan of Joe Montana. <laughs> Which is right, in that yeah. category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many people with last names that are states. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the um, uh, so it, it's in like this like early aughts, like very late nineties. The naughty oddies. Uh, oh yeah, wait. I said it. I said the okay. word. Right. That um, that, <laughs> that uh, uh, you get um, these consulting firms mm. that are also like going around there. Everyone's trying to like circle this general idea that Richard Florida kind of all puts together in one book called rise of the creative class that comes out in 2002. But there are other people also trying to figure it out also. And so you get like these um, plans that you get these plans that consultants will put out that like, for example, uh, Portland, Oregon in 2004 got one called The Young and the Restless, How Portland Competes for Talent. Mm. And then the very next year, Tampa got uh, hired the same firm and they got 
The Young and the Restless, How Tampa Competes for Talent. I love it. You got to yes. love a consulting firm. That just like loves daytime They're television. They're just incredible. The, the I mean, the 90s really are the age It was, the it was mostly cheap firm. heroin. Was the, was, <laughs> that was the, the sort of sound. Perhaps the true yeah, creative class was all at McKinsey this whole time. Yeah, wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah all the preconditions for, for, for drugs and rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so the... Um, he, uh, he, yeah, he writes this like two, book in two thousand two, and then he rewrites it basically completely ten years later. Always which, a great sign. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it is like he's like I, I tried to read both kind of like next to each other so that I could see like ex- he's like what someone takes out ten years later mm-hmm. is like such would be like a really interesting, but I couldn't because they're completely different books. Mm. It's yeah. it's really it's one of those things where it's like um, he 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 was like a one hit wonder. And he knew that he just had to re-release the one hit, mm-hmm. and that would sell because nothing, no one else really. After that, like I, I don't hear anyone else citing any of these. Chuck Berry style. I was just gonna yeah. say Chuck yeah, Berry. Chuck That's Barry so style. funny. Yeah, there was a great little piece on hit on on the twist recently. On Chuck oh. Berry. Yeah, I meant to send it to you, and then I forgot. I love. Well, we were. Come on, baby. We got plans to do a Chuck Berry episode. Let's do that. Go on. Yeah, oh yeah. So he. Um, uh, before the rise of the creative class, he was like writing books about um, Japanese factories mm-hmm. and uh, venture capital. Okay, it was like yeah, his, his, right. his also very nineties. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. People <laughs> loved Japanese factories back then. Oh yeah, they were well, like they're so efficient. Well, they were doing great up until mm-hmm. so the, uh, the dragon rises. <laughs> Different dragon. Yeah, I know yeah, until that dragon. dragon yeah. yeah, the dragons fight each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the. Um, uh, so what, what the rise of the creative class is, right? It has class in the title, but it's like a bourgeois class analysis, right? Yes. So, so he's using class to mean a the collection of occupations that I find interesting. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like pop sociology. Yeah, right? it's very like, Gladwellian. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like definitely a big genre of this, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I mean, I, just because it says class, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So his shtick is basically like you know. Um, these creative types, which he says is like a third of the economy, um, are uh, high earners, uh-huh. uh, and they can do their job almost anywhere. And it's just like, and creativity is like the new oil. Yeah, I think he probably says that or something like yeah, that, right? Yeah. And but the problem is that instead of like the oil being like underground and you drill for it, it's in the heads of these like weirdos. Mm-hmm. And so, you, like, how do you make the weirdos like stay in your town? Concentration camps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, well uh, uh, voluntarily. Yeah. Right? And so what What do you do? Instead, you, like, offer, like, rockabilly bars and, like, mm-hmm. artisanal mayonnaise store or, yeah. like, something. Mm-hmm. So, right? so yeah. wait, because to, to, I've always – I've been long familiar with the concept in general of the creative. I know, I've know i known who this fucking motherfucker is for a while. Okay. I never read his book. Yeah. Because this is the thing. If I, I – and I, a lot of people are not like this, and I probably should be, like, the opposite of what I do. But if I'm, I'm like, I know I'm not going to like this and I'm going to be, like, it's going to make me mad i'm probably not gonna read it because there's only so many hours you have in this world that right? actually seems like a good I, thing to and, do and i'll be honest with you my preconceived notions are almost always correct and yeah. you can judge a book by its cover for 99 percent of the time you can but i will say this uh i uh what is the like what what professions are these because from what i've always understood the a lot of these professions didn't exactly seem creative to me. Yeah. Well, I think it's a different kind of creative. I wouldn't say it's like creative as in like their like creative arts. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not even saying like, yeah, exactly. I'm not saying creative like, I know that it's not referring to like these guys can all 
rock and roll and play guitar. <laughs> Although I will say, I did read some anecdote from fucking uh, Dick Florida where he's talking about how he's at some like Austin 360 bullshit. By the way, Austin. This guy sounds like a real jerk. He sounds yeah. like, I mean, yeah. I, I, we, we, we should get to that Austin thing. Is that, that, is, very, that is very funny. Okay, very indicative yeah, okay. of the whole Sorry, thing. I, but, yeah, but, but no, let me ask you, answer your question about like what the hell yeah, what's it, composes what is this? the creative class, right? Is that, um, so one thing is that you, you constantly see him throughout the book like also wanting to do like uh, every job is creative. Uh-huh. So like every once in a while he's like, well, you know, like, well, in Japan, like the, when they, everyone on the factory line was able to stop the factory line at any time because they could creatively see that something was wrong, right? Was like, he Wait, like, what? Yeah. He First did. of all, <laughs> you can st- <laughs> I as somebody who worked on a factory, on a lot, a literal conveyor belt in front of me, we could also stop that any time. <laughs> yeah. But that, and the only time we they actually- imported that from Japan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did actually, I will say this, they did try to import this Japanese way of organizing things for yeah, us. To, uh, and- all it was, I kid you not, all we, it was was we hanged up the brooms differently. Like we put the brooms and like the push brooms, we mm. like put them on the wall instead of leaning against the wall. Was it nice though on the wall? No, it was just oh. more annoying. It's way easier to just <laughs> lean it against the wall. It's definitely annoying to get in the little thing. Yeah. 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 So um, so he's always like feel you can sense that like this like liberal guilt of like, oh, I don't want to say like some people are creative and others aren't, especially right. since like it's an elite third of like people that make a lot of money. I'm saying are the only people that are creative. So he, he's, he you seem like constantly go back and forth on this. He stresses in, in every interview I've read with him that everybody yeah. is creative, but these people are creative for work. Right. Yeah. And that they're and particularly <laughs> that their creativity makes money. Yeah. Right. Which is really what the, the, he well, can't say that, can, but, yeah, that, but yeah, that's what, that's it, what is, it is. Right. Means, yeah. Yeah. He, he says, um, uh, the super creative core of the creative class includes scientists, engineers, university professors, that's wrong, uh, poets and novelists, artists, entertainers, actors, designers, and architects, as well as thought leadership of modern society, no. non- nonfiction writers, editors, cultural figures, think tank researchers, <laughs> analysts, and other opinion makers. That's, that's, that's the creative class. But I do think, okay, so he, I mean, he's like a goofball and that book sounds, yeah. I mean, it's also just incredibly dated. Yeah. Um, but I think he is onto something, right? And he's correct in that, like, the sort of what we we're talking about with this sort of moment in the 70s, right, where you talk about the kind of, you're saying this sort of, like, deindustrialization and this kind of evolution, maybe devolution, I don't know, of um, Western capitalism where you moved away from the factory floor and into kind of the production of something else, right? And that includes like knowledge production, like they're saying, like these quote unquote thought leaders or, I mean, knowledge production. I mean, this has been exploded, obviously, thanks to social media, which is a whole different beast. Um, But also all the kind of like attending – um, like bullshit that's necessary for this transition into like a consumption economy, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the kind of blowing up of the service sector and that becoming like a huge massive part of the economy. And then also this quote unquote creative industry, which is everything from advertising to, I mean, what we would usually call unproductive or what some people call like immaterial labor, yeah. right? The, the stuff that all the real housewives do. <laughs> Right, like you do I look mean, at like all of their jobs, and a lot of it's like, like marketing. Uh, what's like, a UX designer? Thing. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a massive part of every tech company, and that's a 
quote unquote creative. That's part of the <laughs> unproductive labor, right? Yeah, or like or like a think tank researcher. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like uh, to me, like that's that's why I was when I was reading about this, I was like. I don't know if these jobs are like all various. Like, I don't know if a novelist is similar to a like a think tank researcher or a lawyer or a college professor. Well, maybe a college professor. But uh, it, to me, it's almost like grouping people together basically by consumptive habits. Exactly. Yeah, consumptive habits and and tax brackets. Right. And tax brackets. Well, maybe yeah. not poet. I don't poet. I don't. Know yeah, I'm like I, that's the thing. Bracket. I'm like dog. I don't know if this guy is really. Maybe your book sold a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think the aspect of production is there though. I think there's something interesting where it's like. You know, there's this kind of um, image that, like, emerges, I think, in the 90s of the this, like, new manager that becomes, like, the embodiment of this, like, creative class type. Like, it, it feels very, like, Gen X, so I feel like it's very, like, 90s. But I think that it also has a lot of parallels to what the quote-unquote, like, creator is now or the con- content creator or creator, creative. Like, yeah. all of those terms get thrown around. And that is, like, very similar to the, like, old bourgeois ideal of the artist, which is like that of someone who can marry both independence and economic viability. And like you see this kind of emergence of this figure of this like neo-manager who isn't like, who isn't locked down to this, you know, managing the factory floor, like classically, or even having to deal with the like minutia of like planning how things will get produced or whatever, but is actually like kind of task based mm-hmm. and is in this sort of like networked, um, like this networked mode of production, right? Where their job is managing other people who manage projects and the project is the base of like, of uh, is, is like the map of production as opposed to something like very regimented out in a certain time and place in a geography space of the factory floor, right? This is like a kind of transition that happens in the like early mid 80s into the 90s. And then it's completely and totally exploded thanks to the internet, I think. Um, But I do think that that kind of like neo-manager or like new manager type is this sort of, like, prototype of the creative who's, like, not tied down to anything, who goes from, like, firm to firm, who makes these connections, who networks or whatever, and that, that, that like, person finds their place in the city, right? Because the city is where you also network. It's where, like, ambitious people get access to um, other ambitious people who whose job it is is to, like, self-mythologize themselves into networking more projects and more projects and more projects, right? A rootless cosmopolitan. No, but I mean, I do think that this is, like, very different from the kind of industrial mode of capital production that was, like, ascendant and, like, in the early, mid-20th century. Yeah, so Florida... And and others talk about like what's basically called like agglomeration theory, where you know, like people who do the same thing live and work close together because they can do whatever it is that they do better when they're next to each other. Right? It's, like, it's mm-hmm. pretty straightforward, right there. And that um, and the cities, you know, are obviously good for that. And that there are even like in these new like frothy tech sector biotechnology scam yeah. sort of things, right? The um. The, you'll hear, uh, you like the 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 recruiters for that say like, um, yeah, you could technically do this job anywhere, but we usually base them in a major city because we always need them to be within like almost walking distance of media, yeah, mm-hmm. so that we can convince people 
that like the thing that they're making yeah. is valuable. And Interesting. So, yeah, and so like there is a um, you're, you're right, Liz, that there is like this like he is on to something, in that there there is like a, a a form and a geography to this kind of work, and it, and it does start in like the eighties. So I like I. I um, I mean, you bring up the consulting firm, and that yeah. feels like the first yes, like iteration absolutely. of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Of the like classic Deloitte guy that, yeah. which is obviously even those firms have exploded so much and taken up such larger shares as the decades have gone on. But then you have the introduction of the tech companies. Then you have the startups. Then you have all of the attending whatever marketeering on that, and then social media, which is just. It's thrown a total like it's just like the atom bomb of this shit (laughs) yeah because like back in like 86 right David Byrne is making the movie True Stories which I love and everyone else that I've showed it to hates <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, right. Sorry. Everyone makes uh, every, every most people agree with you. I, I, I'll be honest yeah. with you. You could say David Byrne yeah. and you could preface yeah. any statement Aww. with David Byrne yeah. and it would make the noise. Sucks. Yeah, but funny. you wouldn't if it said sucks after. If it said sucks after, no. But you wouldn't yeah. be able to anticipate it if you were already saying brace noise. But it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter. That's <laughs> you know what? That's what trauma does to you. <laughs> but it, it, you know, it's a it's it's a movie about basically Texas instruments. In Austin yeah, yeah, area, yeah. right, and and there and you know and there's all these themes of like, well, people just like now shop at the mall and they can do their job anywhere, yeah. and like and so like, how do small towns like keep pe- like industry and yeah. high paying really. people, or yeah, even how they keep even, capital, yeah, even their residents, yeah, yeah. like even yeah, right, like this yeah. is a big their tax base, yeah, their tax base, yeah. I mean, there's yeah, there's there's towns all across the world that try to pay people to move there right. because they're dying towns, yeah, and and the answer is like yeah, it's like do you want to live here? <laughs> right? It's like, it's basically yeah. the, the, the answer to that question. So, you know, um, I, I, yeah. So like, I, 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 th- I think you're, uh, you're, you're right on that, that like there is, uh, so- something about the, having what, what Florida calls like a people climate or people habitat I or mean, something. The whole but, stuff is very, you know, it's all very stupid. It's very but goofy. I do, yeah. It's all but, very goofy. Yeah. But, but, but underlying that, because he also like has to like make a graph and an index about fucking everything. Yeah. Right. Which uh, is like essential to like, I think convincing a specific kind of, um, thought leader, leader. Yeah, uh, totally. poli- political <laughs> yeah. person to like be like, oh, okay, well, there's a graph about it. Jokes so on you, motherfucker. I literally can't read graphs <laughs> because I have like a ninth grade education. <laughs> you, you're impervious to graphs. Look at this graph. I don't know which one is the Y or the X, to be totally real with you guys. <laughs> but, you know, he, but he makes those things because like he always launders like more thoughtful ideas into these little sound bitey weird things yeah. that always take drop out the class and anal- like a real mm-hmm. class analysis right and they and it's what and what stays around are these like um uh, is a much more uh superficial read of things so like, even Liz what you're describing i think is a little bit deeper than like what he wants to get to in the book and even though i have a good sense that he knows this right but the like way he that, feels a little embarrassed about it yeah maybe? but like the way that you that you announce it in the form that he is and in the job that he has, it has to fit in this like Austin 360 event thing. Yes. Okay, wait, can you talk about Austin 360? Yeah, I, I, Liz, we literally just did an event. <laughs> I don't no. know. I don't know why you're. At, we uh, just headlined Austin 360. I, I, Wait, is this the precursor to South by? Mm, I don't think so. Spiritual, mm, but it's it's, it's in it's, 2001 that he's doing. I this. think they still so, might do yeah. it. I 
I, I, I don't like went, when like when they're like, oh, check out this project 360, <laughs> or like, yeah. oh, come and visit like this th- 180. It's like yeah. get the degrees out of here. I don't know You're if they do 180 me. a lot because <laughs> that would mean <laughs> well, kind of the opposite usually. Of what <laughs> you know they, what I mean? Yeah, though? yeah, yeah, yeah. We were yeah. totally wrong. Got to go in the opposite direction. Stop making yeah. me twirl around. Yeah, so this is um, from the Rise of the Creative Class. This is like a self-own that Richard Florida immortalizes in the second edition of his book where he went to the Austin 360 Think Fluence Conference, whatever the hell it's called. Mm-hmm. That uh, um, The big one is the one in Aspen now, right? Davos, As- yeah. yeah. No, Davos. No, oh, no, that's in Davos. Yeah, yeah that's, no, in da- that's in Davos, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah no, Aspen, Aspen Ideas, Ideas Festival. Festival. Yeah. That's yeah. where, yeah, Gia Tolentino goes. I, I yeah. honestly, I had a great time there last year. <laughs> and I don't care. I'm just there for the fucking after parties. <laughs> Some of the Aspen fish scale. <laughs> Yeah, you know, hit up a little of that Aspen Calvin Klein. Okay, this is what he said. After some predictable back and forth among the panelists about their investments in the music and cultural scene, I used the moderator's prerogative to interject. Creativity is multidimensional, I boomed. Mm, true. It's not something you can keep in a box and trot out at work. You can't have high-tech innovation without art and music. All forms of creativity feed off each other and so on. Then a sudden inspiration struck me. Wow, creative inspiration struck him. Well, the, he's in Austin, which is where that happens. would be great to strike him. If you really want to know how important this is, I said, don't ask your fellow high-tech CEOs or the mayor or the head of the Chamber of Commerce. Ask the guys in the band. I gestured grandly to the musicians seated at the edge of the stage who looked like the members of Conan O'Brien's late-night ensemble. Wow, not the Conan O'Brien's Whoa. late-night ensemble. <laughs> Then, they're hardcore is that supposed rockers. to denote something? That, that they're really hardcore and <laughs> yeah. like very creative. It was or quest, like in suits? Questlove was there. <laughs> then one of the panelists clued me in. The guys in the band, now grinning broadly at me, were not local grungers. All of them were high-tech CEOs and venture capitalists themselves. It was as if Jack Welch, well, George Soros, and Warren Buffett had gotten down and jammed for the crowd at Davos. I would love to see those guys Shit. in heaven ha- with a hell of a band. So Let the eagle soar like she's never soared before. I want to say something about that because I, I read that quote. And I had a lot to, to, to think about after reading it because, you know, Bay Area, right? What's the Bay Area got? A lot of high-tech firms. Probably many of the that fucking CEOs of those motherfuckers, you know, companies live there, right? Silicon Valley, San Jose, the South Bay, right? What cultural export has Silicon Valley had besides – I'm not going to – Eating those words. Uh, what cultural export has Silicon Valley had in the past, like since since it became what it is? Right. Well, I think this is a really good point yeah. because I do think that like what what the fuck does creativity? Again, I'm going to put that in quotes in the same way that I put authenticity in quotes. What does that mean? When we've just seen the fucking crypto boom yes. and bust. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean when – so you have the fire industries, as you point out, flooding these cities. 
that changes. What does creativity in these industries then mean? It means increasingly obtuse and and rapacious derivatives products. It means a ton of spiz, like we always talk about. But it means like, you know, more uh, terrible shit that people haven't asked for. It means creativity in NFTs. Like, what is that? What is is creativity there? And like, I think that like, that's a really good question. Like, I don't know. I really resent like, the the like very casual way we talk about creativity and innovation in this country like it's completely and totally inseparable from like any kind of like profit right it's like the only way to be innovative is in making this thing that makes money uber innovation you know what i mean which doesn't make money but you know my point creative to make you know, an ape yeah. NFT thing or even just a fucking Instagram post about an NFT thing. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? But like, but, but it, it, it really, I, it really makes me mad because it does two things. One, it further entrenches this idea. This is something we were talking about yesterday that like creativity is like some little like gem that you need to access within your individual self rather than a social product that is socially produced, and two, that it doesn't, it it blurs and obscures the ways in which we are all actually exceedingly creative in our daily lives as we come up with almost invisible ways to navigate the daily drudgery of existence. That's how we are all socially creative. And creativity is like sparked, it is both like a process and product of social production. It is within our sociality and our desire for sociality that we achieve something creative, that we produce something creative. It is not within this kind of like, you know, this this bourgeois ideal of some fucking like office manager, like deep inside themselves, like accessing their creative potential to come up with a fucking ad. Like, I, ugh, it makes me so mad. The way that like, yeah. what is the difference between an advertiser and a car salesman? Nothing. There's not. There's not. Scale. They're just, they're, Scale. Probably. No, it's yeah. just they're do, all at the end of the day, they're just selling a product. That's yeah. all they're doing. Yeah. And yet we have ideologically created. And by the way, I don't think it's like <laughs> it's not a coincidence that the class that creates the kind of like ideological uh, fortress or armor to protect the idea that they are so fucking creative is the one coming up with this bullshit. Yeah, and you can you even see this in the uh, design of interiors and of buildings, right? Like they're basically designed to put sticky notes on them, like post-it notes all over everything. Really? And there was this with uh, like the material, the like yeah, yeah, or like like well, like um, it was a really funny story about the um the Apple headquarters, right? That big circle. Uh, that that uh, mm-hmm. that they built that yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, the it, one they they put the big donut in. yeah the big donut yeah I don't know yeah. about this that's yeah. the the big Apple campus is like a donut yeah but and they made so Steve much Jobs. like I don't know glass those campuses never get shot up <laughs> <laughs> it had so much Scared glass it had so much glass and like other like see through stuff that people would just like keep hitting. Really? Running into stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, respect to Mr. Tim Apple because that is a really good prank. And so there would just be like... Imagine trying to come back from like running into a wall and then like into a glass wall and then yeah. being like alright let's all sit down for the board my meeting my ass is right. on indeed in moments applying to Facebook yeah. <laughs> and now the most disruptive thing in the world like you know a cold compress so they my... have to put stuff on the walls yeah so yeah they put stuff all over the walls and stuff is... like that yeah and like there's this like designerly affect that I think was big like yeah. 
2011, yeah, 2012. The, the height thing. of Joni. What the fuck is his name? Joni yeah. Ives. Yeah, Johnny Ives. Yeah. And yeah, but like, and like everyone had to have a riff on like that sort of creative thinking where like you would also like take. Brand like, marketeers. Yeah, but you would also take like jobs like chef and turn it into like food designer or you something. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's like that. where mixologists came yeah, out. Yeah, like a mixologist. I came out of like I sort of came out of a drug induced fugue state, and then I emerged into a word world <laughs> where, where, where bartenders, like, where are bartenders are, I mean, not any I knew, but I knew that that was real. Where some for some reason people wore leather aprons all yeah, the place, yeah. or they look like the yeah. bear. But I think that that is like actually, an, uh, and maybe we're all talking, this is all kind of circling around, again around the same thing, where that's the kind of like evolution of what we would call the hipster, where yeah, like the sure. hipster yeah. was the kind of vanguard of um, like people who, of like, you know, population like investing objects with a certain aura, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That then, but that they were like okay with um Kind of market marketing about they were they were able to be very ambivalent about their status of marketing things right yes, and they were yeah. kind of the vanguard of being able to say oh well it's fine you can who cares about selling out we're all selling out you know and also all of these objects we're collecting are you know they're they're invested with this certain kind of aura yeah. that. Um, and that kind of continues, and you see it then sort of like metastasize into other arenas, and I, you know, that births the mixologist. But then also, of course, if I may, the habitus of what this new form, this new class population, kind of emerges out of. Well, I think it's no coincidence that for Vice, for instance, sort of like the 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 what you think of as like that that era, like the hipster, right? I mean, there was uh, I think hipster was used sort of loosely to mean people who both wore big scarves. You know what I'm talking about? Like guys who Yeah, but not those. Lenny Kravitz. Not Lenny Kravitz, but like not too dissimilar. Uh and but Vice, Vice as such, like Vice itself didn't actually make money. What it did was make made a market for the Vice like advertising consulting firm that actually did make money that right. Shane Smith ran. Uh, to sell products to. So what it did, Vice created essentially its own market of people yeah. to sell the Vice and that shit was, to. And that became the like, that became like how businesses then operated. Yeah, and that's right? how cities exactly. frequently, frequently operate now too is that they 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 get, um they're, they're able to uh, make a, a brand of themselves Yeah, and then uh, say like, doesn't this sound like you? Aren't you like, uh, like independent, but also like love to come together in a group and that's like so over, true. over tacos and tattoos or oh something, you know, God. like that's it. Yeah, How did you like know? A, yeah, right. It's, <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, you know, intuit. I'm so creative. I could intuit it. <laughs> but you know, yeah, it's like, like there was, um, I guess that means everyone's a hipster now. I, well, I think it's like, it's, Th- like, yes. Well, it's like the post, like post as in like, Everything is it now? Kind of like yes. is in like postmodern just means like assuming modernism for everything. Well, I would yes. say, it's like post hipster in well, that I'd way. Say that everyone was a hipster up until 2016, and then something happened in 2016, and everything changed. I think well, I, you couldn't be too ironic. I no, no, it's not less an affect, and I mean so, more so in like I think the use of social media changed, like kind of oh, like yeah. flipped a lot of things, yeah. and now it's like we've moved beyond the hipster. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, I the post hipster thing is in the sense that you're using it, mm-hmm. where everything is is hipster. I, it it that did I think occur like this sort of like hipster. I was never what you could ever reasonably call a hipster. A, I was y- younger, I guess, than a lot of the people in that uh, that were kind of doing that. But I was punk, uh, which was unfortunately rather adjacent. 
But I saw all of these things that hipster people, because we used to fucking hate hipsters. And we'd like, we'd, what we would do is we would like walk down fucking 24th Street and knock hats off of people's heads if we didn't like them. <laughs> and if they said something, we would, well, really was one guy in particular who, uh, if he listens to the show, I remember, uh, we would knock hats off people's heads. And then if they, they got mad at us, we would beat them up. Um, and it was like, cause we were like, we fucking hate these hipsters. And then like 10 years later, it's just, everything is that like that guy became everything. That they hipster won. thing just became, and it was never actually organic to begin with. Right. It was this sort of thing that was sold to them by these chains of store, urban outfitters or American apparel, whatever. But it became like, everything is that. Mm-hmm. And then that became even that morphed and merged with all these other things to be like, whatever kind of, whatever you would call Sort of the urban mono. It's not even urban. It's everywhere. This sort of monoculture that we have today. It is that. Yeah. Uh, and I don't even know. There isn't a name for it. I've always thought that was really interesting. It's like there isn't really like a name for the 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 aesthetic or youth movement that we have. There's all these like micro trends that happen that people come, especially affixed with core at the end, which is since I was young. There's all that's I've never. I've always thought that was whack, but. Uh, there's like these sort of micro trends that happen, but there's no real like label for the general milieu that like a lot of young people are in. The core corral. Yeah, yeah, the core corral. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like it's really just like it's just the internet sized thing. Um, but but I, I will say like the 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 going back to that Austin 360 thing for a moment. I, it was funny when the rubber sort of met the road with that stuff, right? San Francisco is a place that has long been known for its cultural exports, right? Like music, poetry, writing, all of this kind of th- all this this kind of shit. Bridges, uh, bridges, exactly. Uh, they, we love that Golden Gate Bridge, but uh, the when when san francisco had this massive influx of creative class right of this the tech industry really started moving like into san francisco proper all of that was completely annihilated and like like florida's theory on like these cities like san francisco is by probably any metric doing significantly worse than it has at any yeah. prior time i think most cities actually yes yeah, yeah exactly and like you know we were just in austin right and i remember looking from our penthouse suite at the top of the hidden hotel that they let podcasters stay in at the 50th floor where they let you open the windows because they know you won't kill yourself because you're so fucking confident in who you are and your spirit. Um, and looking at, we, I remember, you gotta remember, I pointed out to you, like, look at all these fucking cranes. And we were talking to our friends. Oh yeah, it's the like, construction there is it, out of control. It's these crazy construction booms, and it's like these these cities where the creative well, class yeah. moves in. What they do is they act in this, uh, uh, not even individually, but like as as a sort of this bourgeois grouping of class, um, suck. Uh, like a blood boy, they suck it dry, right? And then at the end, like by you know, by the time I left San Francisco, man, like any of the like cultural things that I used to do, my whole life, all of those were gone and replaced by like mini golf, indoor mini golf. Or, yeah, like, it's like we used to call this like gentrifying, but that was yes. like a different mode, right? It's like this isn't really gentrifying. It's, yeah. it's a little bit different. It's it's different than that because it's post gentrification, right? Yeah, like, totally. Like all those neighborhoods, like the mission had been gentrified. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Right, and like I, you know, to be to be totally fair, like a lot of people who do that, I mean. Here's a hint. If you are a poor person listening to this podcast and you start seeing punks move into your neighborhood, they might be poor too. Get ready to sell your house. But your shit is about to – you are – I'm sorry because once the punks come in, some other people are coming in too. 
And like it's it's there's these sort of stages of gentrification, right? Like they'll send this sort of like like it'll be like other poor people, but with like a cultural like um, you know maybe like a, a like a shared milieu, like punks mm-hmm. or something will move in there, and then they'll make that neighborhood cool uh, to like people who have some money. Uh, and cause that's maybe something that they can like understand like, oh, there's other white people there and then they'll move in there, uh, with like their, you know, their, their taco trucks or yeah, I mean, that, Not, that, like their fancy taco trucks. Yeah. That's what happened with like Soho in New, in New York city where you uh-huh. have like no, uh, you know, the, the industry leaves artists want big open spaces where yeah. they can do all their weird freaky art and, uh, uh, and, and then that becomes cool. Yeah. And then it's the eighties, like, uh, a cocaine Fueled uh, uh, bankers that are like, I want, I desperately want to also be cool yes. because, and I have all this money, but nothing to spend it on yeah. that's like unique, and so they will spend it on the art, but also being adjacent to where the art is made, and yes, that's why absolutely. Soho, that's why Soho got really, really expensive really fast, and how the whole um, uh, loft sort of uh, yeah. aesthetic, you know, became really popular, which you also then see in media with like which Beetlejuice, is bad, by the way, yeah. Yeah, and well, it's all very it's much bad. Right, that's yeah. the Four only friend. time you get to yeah. say that. Don't if you say that two more times. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I, I only said. What it do once. you mean by Beetlejuice? So I mean, like the the family, the Dietzes. Okay, you're literally talking about yeah Beetle the movie. Be- I didn't know the, if this was like a college thing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, damn it. Well, I only said the first syllable. But uh, you know, like the Dietzes, mm-hmm. um, they move from New York City yeah. to Connecticut. Yeah. And find that this town is so adorable they should sell it to other New Yorkers as like, you know, like bed and breakfast kind of thing. They're like coming up with like ways to develop this cute yeah, little yeah, Connecticut yeah. town. And then they find out that their house is haunted and right. they're like, this is even better. It's a great premise for a movie. You, yeah, because you can't find it anywhere else. And yeah. so now they're going to make it into like a museum or something. And that's basically what all of these fuckers do, right? Yeah. Is that like the end condition of gentrification is always like a Bank of America beneath like yeah. Apartments. Exactly. Right? It's a it's a Whole Foods yeah. with an apartment building that nobody lives in yeah. above it. That's yeah. the thing is That's, gentrification is really it's its own grave digger or whatever. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because it's like they 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 move in and, and it's funny because like I think a lot of like young people um, downwardly mobile young people like don't have you know they like move to these neighborhoods not thinking this or maybe being like you know like oh I shouldn't be moving here because you know I'm gentrifying it but like it's the only place where I can find a cheap apartment. Uh, in this city and like it's this sort of like vicious cycle and then they these these uh you know the bank of america comes in yeah yeah only uh, place you can't gentrify in america damn tenderloin i also follow this um uh this moment i think it was in like 2015 or something where you know talk about like designy creative people stuff right that uh this is cross podcast violence 99 percent invisible mm-hmm. you ever wa- listen mm-hmm. to that show it's, a, it's I'm, a design i'm mostly concerned with the one percent that is visible <laughs> it's a design show mm-hmm. and they did one on municipal flags like on city flags and how mm-hmm. city flags are always ugly yeah most city flags the are famous ugly. San- Duluth swastika san Fr- <laughs> san francisco's flag is actually mentioned as a very san- ugly ugly san Francisco's flag. flag i gotta say <laughs> it's pretty it, it, I'm not familiar with it, it's, there's a reason yeah. there's a reason you're yeah. not because it's never flown anywhere because it's so because the California one is quite stately the California one is well of course I would hope it's stately but yeah. the, the, the San Francisco flag is not great it's, it's like just, a child drawing too much shit of a, going on there yeah, yeah. 
It's like a child drawing of a bird on fire. It's I'm kind of it's glad they Phoenix. never yeah. Yeah. they because I guess oh would that be because the city burned yeah. down? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and and That's it says like, like San not Francisco even a lot of people know bottom. about though. Yeah, yeah. the 1906. Yeah. They know the earthquake. They don't know the whole city burned down. <laughs> yeah, That's a, the yeah. fire breaks. Yeah. yeah, but the the the. The the idea was that like oh you should like city pride would involve like having a nice flag that everyone mm. you know puts outside on their porch and like is all you know you get tattooed on you and yeah, so yeah you just yeah, love yeah. your fucking city so much right and um and this sparks um th- these really interesting fights in all these different cities between people who listen to design podcasts mm-hmm. and literally everybody else and um and the the one of the um people that are interviewed on that show studies flags yeah. They're called vexillologists, vexillologist. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they and he later does a follow up to see like how all of these flag design changes went, and they had like a fifty percent uh, success rate, and the the fifty percent that did not get a new flag was largely because a bunch of people were like, "Who the fuck are you to change yeah. our flag?" One. I don't care about flags at all. Fund the police department was usually a sentence, or um, uh, or or it was like um, you know like uh, why like who are you like you just got here we've lived here this whole time yeah. you can't design the the flag for this which, place you know what yeah 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 which is are are good arguments and like that's uh, and and that was this like interesting proxy fight for like for the city authentic kind of movement because mm. when you look at where they happened it was all in like the midwest and the rust belt it was all in all these like downwardly mobile mid-sized cities that very explicitly said like well we could make a new flag that would be a brand like a for the city and we could sell the city with the brand of this new cool looking flag that would signal to creative class folks that like yeah, we're ready yeah. for you. Yeah. Right. Um, and, just a, and it's just a circle. Yeah. With a little bit taken out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it, it happens, it happens all over the place in all these really like confounding, very weird, um, ways. And I guess like maybe the, the, uh, what, uh, one other thing to, to, to talk about is like how this is actually structured, right? Because we can talk about like how, like, all, all the vibes, right, of, of, like, how this stuff changes. But then, like, who is in charge of that? Yeah. Like, right. like how, who opens the money gate, you know, the money lever, and, yeah. like, the Donald Duck, uh, uh, Scrooge not, McDuck stuff, Donald's, like, starts yeah. flying Scrooge out. Scrooge McDuck is, he doesn't yeah. have, I mean, Donald doesn't have pockets. Huh? Right, yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking of his uncle, yeah. right? It's his uncle? It's his uncle. Right, that has the, the No, he the, wears a shirt, the but then he puts a towel around his waist when he gets out of the shower. Makes yeah. no sense. It makes no sense. He's rocking with that dick, though. Yeah. I wanted to mention this is this is getting this is going to get kind of specific for New York, but um, New York, but it's because New York does it best is like this like controlled grift mill. What is New York does it best? It, it, they do they do this uh, above board corruption. Oh, cool. Right? So they they take um, uh, so the, all the the people that all the rich fucks in your neighborhood, yeah, right, that would normally like you know be like in a smoky back room mm-hmm. like you know you well, build, not anymore yeah like yeah right you you build this condo and then i will uh yeah. uh, uh get I'll make, make sure use permits and yeah, my, yeah, right yeah, 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 yeah well yeah. And then also like i'll make sure that you know my company moves in like all the middle yeah, management yeah, to yeah, here yeah. to fill those apartment complexes and so on right like that's that that stuff has happened for for all time right and what new york under uh andy cuomo did was he was like well let's um, just like 
take minutes <laughs> for those meetings, right? You know, and, and just put them out in front, and then I get to pick who does that. Mm. And so the state got divided into, I think it's 10 different, um, what are called regional economic development councils. So New York City is one, Long Island is one, there's like uh, Western New York, Central New York, and mm-hmm. you know, the one that I studied was the Capital District, which is like eight different counties. And they uh, it's uh, uh, run by like uh, my university's president and a bank executive are like co-chairs. So sick. And then like all these uh, um, uh, business owners are also just get appointed by the governor, sit on that for like two-year terms that can be, you know, reshuffled yeah, classic, indefinitely. Classic development board style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and what they do is they, they get um, they get to um, release these reports that say in these kind of like coy fashions like we want the city or we want the region to be like a biotech hub and mm-hmm. uh, and also the place that you go for great cider or something right you know they'll just like announce love I love traveling for cider yeah they'll announce a vision. Right yeah. for like what this re- what this region is supposed to do for such capital. A, that's such a fun like Mad Libs. <laughs> Every time I've yeah. announced a vision, that would be such a great little Mad Libs. The exercise. people of Jerusalem have crucified. Me. <laughs> uh, and then and then everyone that wants money that they have, which is usually in the form of like no interest or low interest. Sure. Yeah. Well, was and some great. Yeah, point. right. Yeah, was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's gonna be interesting how these things fare now. Now that money isn't free, uh, but also like some grants and stuff, um, usually in like the high five to low six figure range, mm-hmm. right? Um, they they like repeat that vision back to them in with what they want their money, with how they want to like receive that money, right? So if like if you own an orchard, you go, I was always planning on turning that into a cidery. Yeah, um, give me five hundred thousand dollars and I will do that. And 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 you know and so and so in that way, like they've kind of like rationalized mm-hmm. all of the the palm greasing stuff. Mm. But what's uh, funny is like the kind of people that show up to this, right? So like um, in some cases, it's like the office that seems to hold the like ability to sit on this board. So like my university, like the last like four university presidents sure. for my university of like, like, like we're on that board. But then there's also like just a guy, <laughs> And it'll just be like a guy that shows up on this board, survives like four different cha- like, yeah, changes, changes in their guard. job, yeah, yeah, and just somehow still stays on to it. And I want to like, there's one that I, I think is just too good, and it has a succession tie-in, which is important. <laughs> All right, um, there's a guy named Andrew Meter, and everything I'm going to talk talk oh, about. He has should been, be in charge of parking. Yeah, right. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, like uh, Michael Stand. He's um. Uh, all this has been reported, so it's uh, so it's I, when I'm saying I'm just repeating what other people have said. So that that also well, makes it non-actionable. <laughs> yeah, listen, no. <laughs> um, so he started on the council in 2014. He was the corp- what was called the corporate alliances director for Six Flags in Queensbury. Right. So he would uh, get like your company to do their picnic yeah, at Six Flags yeah, yeah. or something like that. Uh, uh, and in 2017, though, he is listed as being a member of something called 46 Peaks Studio which produced a single movie in 2020 called Spy Intervention, which was a romantic comedy that has 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, I mean, that doesn't mean it could be a cool classic. And I make it. <laughs> um, so then he, uh, 
so the, the, then by like 2019, he ends up like he, he's like uh, um, trying to get movies to film there, and so now he gets like HBO yeah, to film. Atlanta, Atlanta yeah. does this shit. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And so the Capital Region has also tried to do this as well. Yeah. And so like in that, I think it's like the second season of Succession where they go to like the Royco theme park. That's actually the Queensberry Six Flags. Oh, good for him. He they have a theme that. park yeah. in Succession. Fuck off. Yeah, it's yeah. a huge yeah part of the company. I never. Yeah. That's that's what their company is. No, ATN. It's, it's, it's like a bunch of different. No, things. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. Um, there's ATN. There's the yeah, and then there's like they Royco. also have like a cruise line. Yeah, there yeah, are cruises. cruises. Yeah, of course. Yeah, hmm. uh, and then um, uh, but but then what he basically um, ends up leaving when uh, he, the last I can ever find anything of him is he's getting like drawn and quartered in front of uh, Glens Falls Town Board. Like, we gave, bro, we, still- gave, we gave you, like, $160,000 for, like, what you called, like, social media influencing, mm-hmm. and nothing happened. And now, and now and then I just can't find him ever again. And so it's, like, these kinds of characters that show up on these very boards. Very creative man. Creative right, accounting. Right, very creative, yeah. And so it's like the, it's, so it's like those kinds of people along yeah. with, like, bank executives. And, like, those are the people that show up on these things. And that is... I think, like, you know, if you if you despair that, like, there isn't enough sickos, like, near proximate to you, mm-hmm. like, you just have to rely on, like, national news to find a, a sicko to, like, obsess about. They're, they're ac- they actually are around <laughs> all around you. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know, you just, you need to, like, get to the, you need to be, like, a freak like me and, like, read these, like, state, rep- like, audit reports or something. <laughs> because, like, all, all, uh, New York also does, like, these things called industrial development authorities, which is basically just, like, the state's way of letting private companies get their bonding authority. Okay. So it allows them to do sure. like cheap uh, cheap loans and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I think it just came out. I think it, uh, my friend Greg just looked at this. I think it was like $1.9 billion of foregone tax money it comes through these like IDAs because like the IDAs will set up what's called payment in lieu of taxes or pilot agreements where they're like, okay, you build this thing. And of course it takes time to make money on building the thing. So you won't pay taxes for like the first five years and then we'll step it up. Right. Then we'll step it up and step it up and step it up. So like by like year 30, when the building is falling apart because you made it all from particle board. Yeah. Right. Then Finally, you're paying full taxes. taxes. Yeah. And, and of course at that time, you know, you, it's all depreciated. And so they're like, sure. Oh, actually it's not worth anything anymore. And they never end up paying taxes at all and so it's like every year billions of dollars like get funneled uh get funneled away uh through through those sorts of sort, sorts of deals and so like that's like that that's where a lot of the city authentic stuff comes from is because like at the end of the day right you know you can do the creative class, class strategy you can convince everyone that like you know their their best life is lived in whatever city you know you want mm-hmm. but like if you can't build the apartments and the, like the the taco trucks or whatever yeah. right you know you need financing for that shit and that all comes through stuff like this mm-hmm. uh, in different states you know there there'll be other kinds of uh, uh, names and schemes for these yeah. sorts of things, but the industrial development authorities are across North America as like a name for something that that usually runs those sorts of scams. Well, you mentioned it briefly, but it'll be really interesting to see what happens now that, I mean, one, the interest rate situation is yeah. very different, the credit situation is very different, the credit climate, the development climate. 
the housing climate, the labor climate, everything's changed. Yeah. Climate's real yeah, quick. Different. Yeah, it's climate change in so many ways. Um, and it's gonna be real interesting to see what happens and what's gonna happen with the cities. I mean, a lot of the municipal debt was basically forgiven in the COVID crisis moment, and they're not gonna be looking down at that forgiveness <laughs> again. And yeah. so a lot of you know, there's gonna be a lot of um, I don't know. I think a lot of shakeups for a lot of developers and a lot of interested parties in the coming years in cities. And they might end up looking a lot different than what they came to look like in the past 30, 40 years. Yeah. Cities also like took like one time money and built stuff that then costs money to maintain. So that'll yeah. be fun also yeah. to see how they how they deal with that. Well, the book is called The City Authentic. It's out now. It is today. Today. As, as, today. We're, as we're recording today. Wow, you told me you were going to the Hudson Yards, Barnes & Noble after this to <laughs> go buy a copy yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I did go to your Wegmans. To what? The, the, yard, uh, um, uh, the Navy Yard Wegmans. Really? Yeah. So the, I had nice? always known. Oh, yeah, right over there. Yeah, the way yeah. that I had always uh, heard it is that, so like Wegmans and another comp- uh, another grocery store company owned by uh, uh, people that are on those regional economic development councils called the Golubs run um, another one called Price Chopper. And I thought I they always had like it. a gentleman's nice Yeah. I was like, they always had like a gentleman's agreement where Wegmans would never go east of the Hudson. Mm-hmm. And that and this Navy Yards one is the first one to east of the Hudson. <gasps> they broke they, they broke yeah. the agreement. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you can like find like bodies in the park. I love an lot. old grocer war. Yeah. They don't make them like they used they to. They don't. There's a yeah. There's... Well, we're gonna put a link in the show notes so people can check the book out. Thank and you. the episode we did previously with you, because they should listen to that one too. Yeah. I also uh, I ended up doing a Substack because I had a bunch of stuff. Yeah, oh, we'll put a link to that too. Yeah, I had a bunch of stuff that I had to cut from the book, so I figured I just like might as well make that into hell yeah into a thing. Put it out there, yeah. give it to the people. Liz yeah. is always looking for a new Substack. Always. All right. Well, it's called Other Day. Perfect. Because it's stuff that I wrote the other day. You know, all them Yimbies talk about legalized apartments. Um, Wait, is that actually the thing that they say? That's what they say. I, that, no way. Yeah. That's yes. so fucking... Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm yes. not finishing Liz, that you sentence. You don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand. Legalized apartments. You don't understand. You don't understand how... Let freedom ring. For years, these people... Because here, here's... The I, fucking coming depression is going to screw these motherfuckers so bad. Liz, Liz, listen up. Listen up, asshole. If you are listening to this, I, I, the Yimbies in San Francisco, if you are listening to this podcast, they're not. The reason that so many people hate you is not necessarily even because of your beliefs, although I don't like your beliefs either. It's because you are some fucking freak who sucks, who moved here, and is like, maybe we should build more Millennium Towers. Everyone just doesn't like you. It doesn't have to make sense politically. No. You know why? You know why people hate these people? Why I hate these people? Why? Here's why. One, you suck. You're stupid. You're stinky. You're annoying. You You got bad slogans. You're everywhere. You won't shut up. It's like, go away. No one likes you. Yeah. I hate you. I don't. Here's the thing. They're like, how come you don't want people to move here? Case in point, you motherfucker. Oh, you're saying there could be a bunch more of you here? I will tear down apartment buildings if that is the case. Jesus Christ. 
These fucking people. I just, I will say why I really hate them is because they, and this is a condition that is shared by some of their countrymen who shall remain unnamed for now. The inability to think holistically about anything. Yes. Everything is just spreadsheet Sam where they say, okay, well, if you see this. guys. It's true. You see, oh, you see this. It goes up. It goes down. Then by this logic, if we just build more, then the market will – because everything is – nothing. everything exists in a vacuum. It's just, oh, spreadsheet Sam. It exists here as opposed to, you know, economies being completely holistic and having moving yeah. parts that are related to other places, including land economies and rental economies and property economies. You fucking morons. My thing with San Francisco is it, it's full. It's full. You cannot. You. I understand that you wanted to move there to be at, uh, you know, uh, Uber or whatever. I'm telling you, I don't like you. I find you weird, and your your ways to be uh, unlike mine. And I don't. And they're like, oh, you don't want immigrants. You are not a Mexican, dude. I, that, they, that's not. Try, try, try to act like that's what I'm saying. It's like they're cool. They're they bring them to San Francisco. They have also, a whole neighborhood. Let me just say, yeah, like the boutiques in Hayes Valley uh-huh. that sell the five hundred dollar dresses. Them having the immigrants are welcome here sign. Okay, buddy. Yeah. Well, maybe not there. Welcome well, to do what? Welcome, yeah, yeah, welcome to, yeah, exactly. Welcome, welcome how? What, well, to work for you? No. They're not hiring. They're not, they're, that's the thing is, they, you won't let them shop at the store. You definitely not let them work for you. No, it's like immigrants are on H-1B visas. <laughs> We're going to marry like, you know, uh, some uh, yeah. middle manager. But now with fucking, the downturn, they're not even welcome here. They're not even welcome here. And so my thing is, is this what you fucking Yimby motherfuckers don't understand, is I just literally don't like you. <laughs> Then that's it. All right, let's wrap this show up as if it was a mummy and we were slaughtering all its servants to serve it in the afterlife. My name is Brace Belden. I'm Liz. We are, of course, joined by producer Young Chomsky, and this has been True Anon. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein. Thank you.